You and I get a fair amount of cold calls. Oh, yeah. Maybe is the best way to say it. I mean, they're emails or they're LinkedIn messages or whatever, but it's the same thing as the historical cold call. I was in sales. I get it. They're doing their job, right? I mean, they're just trying to drum up business. This was a first. I had somebody email me and you can tell it's a canned thing and they forgot to change one of the fields. Oh, no. So good news, Chris. I am now the vice president of food service. But he did follow back up and say, I mean digital and innovation. The question is, though, what was he trying to sell you? Was it something more food service related or was it digital related? I don't know. I didn't make it that far. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode number 284, Touchpoint. I am Reese Smith. That is Chris Boyer. I am going to call myself the director of janitorial services for my house because I just uh, cleaned the bathroom. Well, there you go. It's like one of the first jobs I ever had. I worked at a travel agency and I was the director of inter-office communications, uh, which just meant I worked in the mailroom. That was on my resume for some time until I got a little further into my career. All right. Well, here we are. Another week, another episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Touchpoint.health is the website. uh, Those of you who are returning listeners know. If you're new, welcome. While you're over at the website, check out the TPS report. You'll notice it up at the top, kind of in the navigation there. Name, email address, all we're asking for and what that does is allow us to send you an email on Monday mornings with just a few articles to start your week. Some uh, some quick reads, a few things that uh, may spur some thoughts, uh, some conversations around your organization and uh, some links to some industry conferences, things like that. So nothing salesy. Don't, we're not trying to sell you anything and, and will not try to sell you anything. would love for you to sign up and just stay connected there as well. So we'll pause here for a second, let you go do that, and be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is, and Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand, they demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. You and I have been talking, Reed, recently about experiences that we've had in our workspace where the concept of marketing and communications and the differences between the two come up. Now, I've recently had some conversations about uh, creating a marketing brief and can a marketing brief be used for a communications brief as well? And, oh, no, that's something different Mm -hmm. as a communications person. And in my mind, I I always kind of struggle with this whole concept of is marketing and communications are they are they aligned? It's interesting because I've joined an organization where we're we're building and restructuring and building teams in all of these areas, right? So we've got a group that does digital and innovation, which is me. We've got a group that does communications. We have a group that does marketing. A group that does strategic planning. And we got some folks over like kind of the uh, physician sales and outreach function, you know, things like that. So you've got these different groups, right? So it's like. How do you try to avoid uh, everything becoming a siloed experience where people are just participating within their little area? And, and to be, I'll be real honest, that's one of the downsides of, is downsides right? I don't know, but kind of this hybrid work environment or people being virtual is it lends itself 
to being isolated to just your team, right? Or just right. people you communicate with. You don't run into people in the hall, for example. So you have to be more purposeful and mindful of, of connecting. And so when you think about marketing and communications, we say those words together a lot, but do they practically participate in that way, I guess. This is not a new topic to us before. In fact, we have an episode way back in December of 2017 where we were kind of talking about this. Now, that was many years ago. Pre-COVID. That was in the before times, right? And now we here we are five years later, and it's still there. It's still kind of ever-present. And I think you're right. Sort of this virtual space kind of allowed us to entrench in our silos and in our swim lanes, so to speak. So let's today, let's talk about marketing and communications. And should marketing be more like communications or is it the other way around? And let's let's start first with a LinkedIn post that someone wrote that actually tried to address the differences between marketing and communications. She recently published it. Julia Pearson Fields, we'll put the link in the show notes. She wrote an article called The Difference Between Marketing and Communications. And it has an interesting take. A couple of takeaways. Marketing communications are the cornerstones of of any business plan. Mm. Okay. Mm, Do I agree with that? (laughs) I mean, yes, it is part of a business marketing plan. But but strategy, I don't know. I don't want to get lost in the weeds here. But yes, they are very important components of it. You know, even more so, the author indicates that while marketing is customer-centric, communications encompasses the back and forth with our internal audiences, clients, even within the company itself. So it's like almost like kind of differentiating who your audience is. If you're looking at your customer, that's a marketing activity, whereas communications is sort of a everybody that's not your customer. And I'm not sure I actually agree with that either, honestly. Let's go through kind of how sketched out the you know marketing versus communications, kind of what, what each of them is. So marketing, I says think of marketing and communications as two ends of the business marketing continuum with marketing as a starting point. Every attempt at getting your brand known starts here and it determines what communication campaign will look like. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't like disagree necessarily. Is it the starting point? You know, this is where you get in the weeds a little bit of like the nuances of different industries and, and some of those types of things, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with it. So what is marketing exactly? So really breaks down into a couple of areas. The first one being brand identity. Most people will equate this to being, you know, when we think about it in healthcare, it's the visual elements, right? The brand identity. So you think of things like the logo, but this could be your product, the product design, the packaging, the location, you know, some of those types of things. Yeah. like, And it could go a little further, right? Into defining the the brand value and the brand statements, the brand hierarchy, so to speak. It's also knowing the customers and what they want. This is what the author, this author says, right? Whenever you ask who would want to buy or consume our product or service, you're in the marketing mode. You know, that kind of underscores the need of understanding your audience of being part of marketing. And then there's product launching. So let's talk about that because it's a little bit weird in a healthcare space. But what, what, what do we mean by product launching? That is a little bit weird in the in the healthcare space, but you need. She talks in here about that you need to understand where it all it all starts with the product. So, so marketing begins as soon as you create a certain product based on what the intended user wants. Mm. Uh, after all, it's rare that any business launches a product without the end user in mind. I'm not sure that's true, but okay, yeah, maybe a <laughs> successful one. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everybody takes the end user in mind. The end user may not know exactly what they want. And I think that maybe is part of this. But anyway, but they say once you've determined what the product will be, you'll need a plan on how you can get it to them. Right. So the simple rule of thumb about a product launching and, and marketing everything that went into a product's creation, uh, talks about the prototyping and testing, is a marketing activity. And then that leads to communications. Again, according to this author, if marketing establishes why and what we tell our customers, communication deals with how we communicate with them. What's the story you tell? And other methods of actively engaging with them. 
That's all a communications efforts. Now here, I think what's subtle here is that this is sort of a nuance of thinking of marketing and communications on the same spectrum, not as like different departments. You know, when I first thought about this, I thought internal communications, do they do marketing? No, they're different than like our clinical marketing people. But in this particular case, the communications umbrella extends even further. Communications can also cover interactions with your staff and your stakeholders and people who are already kind of engaged with you. They outline a couple of the things that communications helps with. Getting the conversation started, that may be overly simplified, but the communication says uh, it lies between marketing and sales, which again, sales a little bit wonky to kind of talk about in our space, but a customer who has been persuaded to purchase your product would be aware of the company and the product and you know, have your brand identity or, or what your company is all about. So it's a way to kind of get the conversation started. Okay. So again, this is kind of like that weird nuance of like what type of, are we talking about big M marketing or little M marketing and big C communications and little C communications? I'm not sure. The second piece here is customer interaction. Communication, as the author highlights, involves more than sending customers or potential clients messages and sales pitches. Communications is allowing your customers to engage with you. That sounds a little nuanced in what, the way she's defining this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not just for your customers. So much of the communication plan strategies are, are aimed at uh, customer engagement, but communications also involve interfacing within your own company. So internal communications, right? And other stakeholders, I guess, you know, could be could be a few other folks there. Here's what I think is interesting about about this is I think the reason maybe that we're struggling with this and don't necessarily agree with exactly how she's outlined the two things is because marketing and communications are pretty much the same thing. Well, are they though, Reed? I mean, let's look at that. Like, so when you think about elements of communications, is that a hundred percent mapped to marketing in your mind? Not necessarily, but I think it's all part of the same continuum. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. a better way to say it. I don't think they're not the same thing. Obviously, uh, I mean internal communications versus you know running a patient acquisition campaign. You know, purely a marketing, you know, targeted marketing campaign. Uh, you know, are two different things, but I think they fall within the same realm. And when you say that, like internal communications, and again, as opposed to clinical marketing, so to speak, are we just differentiating against audiences? I think there are elements of communications that are different than marketing. Like, for example, communication is like, in my mind, it's about like storytelling. It's about being able to communicate effectively using the words and and the methods to communicate in ways that resonate with your audience. That to me sounds like a communications initiative. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit like education versus persuasion. That's not a bad way to look at it, yeah. Communication is really more on the education end of the spectrum. Like we're informing, we're educating, that kind of stuff. You know, the marketing is driven more towards action or persuasion or, or some, you know, we want you to now do something, which is not necessarily a component of communications. Okay, but then let's let's think of it the other way. What are some things that happen in marketing that's different than the communications? I think marketing, a lot of times... When you do any kind of marketing efforts, most of that it's paid. There's some free marketing, but like advertising is certainly a part of marketing. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Advertising, definitely. I do think, you know, potentially you get into some of the communication conversations as you think about things like advertorials. You know, that's where Ah, these things start to cross over a little bit of just like, all right, what are we doing here? You know, cause now we're getting more into the persuasion side of the equation or you wouldn't have to pay for it. Right. That is interesting. I mean, thinking about marketing and communications in the law along the same continuum is an interesting way to look at this. And in our organizations, they're v- treated as very discrete, separate activities, right? Crisis communications is a certain type of communications, right? That you communicate that's nuanced to the particular environment you're in. But then at the same time, you could do crisis advertising if you needed to. Well, I think where where this became harder to define was when uh, social media came around. I think you're right. Because all you have to do is go ask 10 healthcare organizations, hey, do you have somebody that does social media? Yes. Okay, cool. 
where do they sit in the organization? And half of them, it'll be in marketing and half of them, it'll be in communications. Yeah, that's interesting to think about. And in our organizations, we sometimes drive like a a really big swim lane between this is a communications activity, this is a marketing activity, and never the twain shall meet. Let's do this, Reed. Let's take a little brief pause here. And when we come back, let's try to go a little bit further to see if there really is a difference between marketing and communications through looking at what's in a communications plan and what's in a marketing plan. But we'll do that after this uh, brief pause. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. We were talking about marketing communications potentially being kind of on uh, the same spectrum, if you will, of activity or motivation or whatever you want to call it. Um, So we're going to look now back to our friends at Forbes for how they have defined through two different articles, the five elements of a communications plan versus the five elements of a marketing plan. This should really define and, and help us suss out the differences here. And by the way, these two articles were published like within weeks of each other on Forbes. Okay. So this is even more interesting to me. This should clearly outline the differences between marketing and communication. So how about this, Reed? How about we do it? Like, why don't, did you want to take marketing or did you want to take communications? Because I think we should go back and forth. We'll take one or the other. Which one do you want to do? I'll go communications. This article, five things. Your article, five things. And so here's number one on the communications side of the equation, right? So first thing for a successful communications plan is identified as the purpose. So a clear purpose, keeping everybody on board, making sure you have the right people to hear your message. So your communication objectives should be to answer these questions. Who do I need to reach? Why do I need to reach them? What will my communication say? How will I deliver the message, et cetera, et cetera. So what is the purpose? A clear purpose is what keeps everybody swimming in the same direction. Okay, I got my marketing hat on here. From the other article of five essential elements of a marketing plan, the very first thing that you need to do is you need to define your marketing goals and objectives. Develop realistic and measurable marketing goals that cover a you know a certain period of time or a set period of time, you know, depending on what it is, that are aligned with your overall business plan. A lot of times I kind of identify here. Certain types of goals in marketing strategy could be increasing patient acquisition, increased sales of products, growth of customers. And as you develop it, you need to factor in the various different types of offerings that you are providing as a business, how and where you sell them, and the level of consumer awareness surrounding your business. You kind of need to take all of that into alignment. That sounds similar. Let's go on. There has to be some differences. So the second one on the communication side, audience identification. So target audiences. So obviously they can vary. Could be something like uh, the general public or a consumer. Could be internal like we talked about a minute ago. So you're connecting with employees. Certainly in the communication side, media but really defining who it is that you're trying to reach, right? And they say in here that every communication plan is different, not a one-size-fits-all. And it's a good idea to create an audience map. That's, yeah, that is a good idea. I mean, that's kind of like personas and journey mapping and some of those types of things. But anyway, audience identification. So after you know what the purpose is, then it's who are we trying to reach? So on the marketing side of the house, the number two thing is define your target audience. Fully describe the characteristics of your potential customers, as well as their 
consumption habits? Like where do they get information from? And then take the time to define those audience and customers along several demographic characteristics like age range, marital status, etc. So you could develop personas and then start to develop unique custom marketing activities to reach those audiences. And they made, they made very clear here that not all marketing plans are the same. Wait a second. I don't know about you, but audience identification and define your target audience is wildly different. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh boy. All right. So, all right. There's, there's two of them down so far seems about the same. It has to start being different. Doesn't it? It has to. Yeah. It's going to, the road's going to split here fork here in a minute. Number three, uh, communication tactics, communication strategy provides the framework, but more specifically, you know, we're talking about tactics here. So things like email mark. Hmm. They say marketing in here. Okay. <laughs> Blog posts, video content, YouTube, Vimeo, so on. But anyway, you got like channels and you know that kind of stuff. But more specific, you're with your messaging and visuals, even if it seems repetitive, the better chances you are of getting people engaged and taking action. Taking action. Hmm. Hmm. Feels like marketing again. But the tactics, I guess, is the point here. Communication tactics is number three. Huh. Okay. Well, let's jump over to the marketing side and let's see what number three is here. Research marketing tactics. Uh oh. (laughs) There are more marketing tactics available than ever before. And trying to determine which one is best can be overwhelming. So take the time to research and identify the appropriate marketing vehicles, which can range from traditional things like billboard, television, radio, etc., to digital ones like pay per click ads. Social media, email marketing. Wait a second. This. <laughs> wait a second. I think you. I think you merged into my article there somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> wait, I, I'm forgetting which article are we reading here. This sounds exactly the same. Read. What's going on here? I don't know. All right, here we go. Number four. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to keep forging ahead here. Um, timing. Organizations. Got to use their communications wisely, strategically, uh, for them to be effective, right? So the, the importance of timing is to communicate effectively, right? So we want to reach people at the right time with the right message. You know, we hear that all the time. They should, uh, you know, sh- you should be able to specify in your strategy, your communication strategy, when the message should be communicated, including exactly how and, and why, Develop two equally effective strategies, one for now, another one uh, that can be employed in anticipation events might happen down the road is an interesting way to think about this. You think about, you know, there is some pre-planning with communication. So you think about like crisis or disaster planning or whatever. So you're, you're planning in the events that something might happen. So yeah, so timing. Okay. So number four on my list is to develop a timeline and a budget. Start to identify all the scheduled activities for that, you know, the, the campaign, for the, the length of that marketing campaign, and a breakdown of their costs. Okay, so that's that's one thing that's different I'm hearing now. Cost is different. I heard that differently. Okay. But they say here that in a marketing timeline, you should look at what's happening in context of that particular marketing campaign year. So if you're in the holidays, you might need to ramp up or change your activities. Or if, you know, different parts of the year, you can market things in different ways. So you have to really kind of adjust for the context of the timeline that you're in. And then, of course, uh, develop the budget to support that. Well, there you go. There's the first difference is one's paid. It sounds the same to me. But all right, here we go. Number five, wrapping up here. We're going to land the airplane. Uh, number five, developing an effective or successful communications uh, plan or strategy. Who will be responsible for the communications? So communication professionals should be the ones responsible for communicating with external audiences, and they should do... Uh, so during a crisis, of course, uh, human resources departments might be the people communicating internally, right? So they're saying based on the audience or who you're, you're trying to reach, there could be some different folks actually, you know, pushing and pulling some of those levers, uh, but you're still defining the message, the audience, et cetera, but, you know, determining who will be responsible for the communications. So a little bit of kind of the 
organizational uh, component and a little bit even around, you know, some of these tactics, you know, how are we doing it and who's doing it kind of thing. Well, number five on my list is plan your marketing tactics. Select the tactics and channels that you will use to accomplish your goals. Identify who's going to be responsible for creating marketing, particularly around content marketing efforts. And also, you know, align that to consumer habits and uh, be sure to monitor your competition and so that you can stay ahead of them and stay current. And ensure your audience is actually responding to that by measuring it. Hmm. Okay. Well, that wasn't as helpful as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. It sounds to me like an effective communication plan and an effective marketing plan are roughly the same thing. Maybe you got a little bit of paid uh, mixed in on the marketing side. Maybe, but if you're do- if you're doing social media, you might be boosting or promoting your posts. So there may be some paid efforts over there too, right? Yeah. And I also heard a little difference around measurement, but yeah, measurement. But but I assume that if you're a communications person, you're measuring your activities, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, you're definitely measuring uh, things like uh, the you know, like the earned media value and stuff like that. So. I think everybody measures, you know, the values of their efforts and and whatnot. So, um, you know, you're having to kind of take that into account. All right. Well, there you go. There are no differences between marketing and communications. No. Um, (laughs) Again, I think it's a little bit of a gray area on where stuff starts and stops, but certainly as you're, as you kind of turn the dial towards, you know, education and, and kind of the informational side, I think that's where you'll find most of the communication tactics and strategies. And then uh, as you kind of turn the dial back towards, you know, the persuasion side, the action side, and, and in most cases, that's probably where you're going to find a, a lot of your marketing. Yeah, I think roughly you're right. You're absolutely right about that. But I think, you know, as we look at this, it still to me seems they're part of the same continuum, Reed. Five years later, I think we're landing on the same conclusion. Well, let's do this. We'll, we'll take a brief pause here and then jump over to the day's interview, which I think is, is really great. So I had a chance to, to visit with David Schifrin, who I worked with uh, at Gerard, at Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock. He, he obviously is still working there. And Chris, you and I have covered, and we, we even mentioned this uh, in the interview, but we've covered a lot of their studies through the years, and, and we'll talk more about that. But they came out with one recently around you know, kind of the state of communications, but more around the idea of like how people want to be communicated with. So I think kind of dovetails in here nicely um, around some of the things that they're seeing and even gets into some of the tactics. So let's, uh, let's pause here and then we'll be back with, uh, with David. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, David Schifrin, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Reed Smith. How are things uh, in Nashville? I'm in Nashville, but I'm asking you like you're somewhere else. But uh, a little. Story. I'm glad you caught it because I was going to ask you how I was going to ask you how things are in Nashville. <laughs> we are we are all of one suburb away from each other right now. That's right. That's right. Your suburb had rain. Mine didn't, but you know, so we're in different parts of the country, pretty much. Those that are not familiar, David Schifrin and I work together, uh, and David still does work, at uh, Gerard Phillips, Kate and Hancock, a uh, strategic communications firm based in Nashville, working with hospitals all over the country. We share a fair amount of the Gerard content on our weekly kind of TPS report, our newsletter, th- those types of things. And of course, we've we've talked a lot. People that have listened to the show for a while are, are familiar with the fact that we've talked about the reports and kind of, uh, I guess, findings that have come out relative to, uh, it started with the pandemic, with COVID, kind of back to work and masking and vaccines and all those types of things. But 
here recently, you guys did a little bit of stuff around the actual topic of communications. Yeah. So we, we have kind of two parallel series of surveys that we run. One of them is uh, in partnership with Public Opinion Strategies, which is a which is a national polling firm, and uh, a couple times a year we we partner with them to take a survey of the entire landscape, sort of trust in healthcare, how people perceive and feel about healthcare and nurses and doctors and institutions, and and that is not what we're going to be talking about here today. So that's kind of the one series; it's our national survey. Uh, and if you check out our website, you can you can find out a lot more about that. But then the other piece of this, kind of the other track that we have is we'll, we'll, we just, you know, we're always trying to look around corners and figure out what healthcare provider organizations and particularly marketing and communications professionals need to be keeping an eye on. You know, when appropriate, we run some, uh, some, some online surveys uh, through various mechanisms to just get a sense of what the American public is thinking about. And so what we've done here is hold uh, 800 uh, American adults ages 18 and up across the country, you know, pretty representative of, of the population. And we're asking them how they like to consume information and how they like to be communicated with. And so the genesis of this one specifically, this, this survey specifically was, you know, we've just seen so much, and you referenced the pandemic, there's been so much noise there's been all kinds of conversation about misinformation, disinformation. Who do you trust? Um, you know, where do you go to to find out good information? Do you have time to read anything more than a couple of tweets? And it's just, you know, I think it's no. I mean, anybody in marketing, anybody listening to this, knows how difficult it is to cut through the noise. So professionally, we're all thinking about this because we've got a message to get to our audiences, to our customers. But then also we're dealing with this as individuals. We're trying to present information to our friends and family. We're trying to consume information ourselves. And so we thought it'd be kind of cool just to ask people broadly how they want to consume information. That's where this survey and special report came from. I've given up. I don't try to convey anything to anyone any longer. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, this is really interesting. So as a marketer, and we've got marketing communications, I'm sure some administrative and even physicians or clinicians that, that listen to the show. But as a marketer, I think immediately, you know, a lot of our minds go to advertising. That's really how we think of communications, which is not really what we're talking about here. But it is kind of interesting in the idea that like, you know, how we convey information to try to drive action, adoption, compliance, you know, whatever that may be. Maybe let's just talk for the next, you know, uh, five, 10 minutes on kind of what you guys found, you know, kind of the executive summary. We'll certainly have a link in the show notes and, uh, you know, gerardinc.com is the website. Should be easy enough to track down, but um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be sure that we, we add some stuff to the show notes as well. But, but what was kind of uh, some of those initial, initial insights and findings? We, we asked some questions that were, were based on, I guess, presuppositions that we had about communications, as well as just things that we're, we're hearing from our clients and, you know, things that we're thinking about as, as a communications firm. It was interesting that a lot of the assumptions that I think a lot of us make uh, aren't necessarily, uh, they're, they're not untrue, but maybe they're not quite as true <laughs> as, as we all think. So an example of this is the whole marketing, like it's almost become a truism at this point, the mar- uh, that, you know, people's, people have the attention span of a goldfish. It's a, it's a catchy thing that we've been bouncing around and you get eight seconds and whatever. And it's not that that's entirely wrong, but it's a more nuanced story. And so one of the things, so what we, what we did is we, we asked people, you know, what types of formats do you engage with regularly? Be that visual like video or audio or, or the written word? Do you like long form or short form content? And then where do you go for that information? What's, what's your most trusted source? Is it the local TV news? Is it blogs? Is it Twitter, et cetera? And what we found, um, a few highlights here is that people do generally, you know, if they're going to pick one spot, a, a slight plurality of people do tend to gravitate towards short form content, um, kind of quick hits, news digests, uh, social media updates, things like that, but they will engage with long form content. Um, so we found that 58% of people regularly read long form content and that's sort of on a, you know, a daily or, or several times a week basis. 
you know, I think that's a really important thing that um, we shouldn't give up on long form content just because we all know that people like things in 280 characters or less. One of the most surprising things to us was that local TV news is not just a, a big deal for people, but it was actually the top choice for getting news. So that's still a thing. So people still watch the news. Like there is local news. Like they still produce that show on television. Yeah. If you get your rabbit ears antenna, you know, lined up just right. And if you have your kid with a tin foil kind of hold it. Yeah. You can, you can still find local news. Okay. All right. Local news. Yeah. So when we ask people to just pick all that apply, where do you go for your news? 50 what was it, about 55% picked local TV. Next up was Facebook at just a little bit under 50%. Cable TV sat around 40%, and I won't go through the rest of the list, but you know, a majority of people picked local TV as one of the ways they get news. And then we said, out of whatever choices you picked, what's your top what's the top? And uh, local TV came in around in the high 20s, whereas Facebook was the second choice at uh, just under 20%. So that's, that's an interesting finding. And if you want, we can talk more about what we think that might mean. But um, before we get there, a few other interesting things I think is that not a surprise at all. People trust family and friends. We looked at where people are going to trust information from, you know, family is right up there at the top and they are basically neck and neck with doctors, which is also, you know, very encouraging for healthcare. There's sort of potentially a double-edged sword. If, if we're sitting around the dinner table, uh, we've got an opportunity to present trusted information to folks that they might need to hear. Conversely, if a family member is presenting misinformation, then uh, that is also more likely to be well-received. So, you know, pros and cons, but definitely those interpersonal relationships are a big deal. Yeah. I mean, word of mouth, certainly uh, we always talked about, and this was kind of the, the push or the need to really take it, take stock of, you know, online review sites, right. Was, was this idea that ideally people want to hear or receive a recommendation or have feedback or whatever it is from, from someone they know, you know, their neighbor, a family member, somebody that they trust. Right. Yeah. Social proof is a big thing. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and then short of that, they want to hear from other real people that, you know, have maybe gone through the same scenario that they're researching, right? So that's where the review piece comes in. So the word of mouth and, and word of mouth marketing certainly has been around for a long time is is not surprising. I'm really interested in kind of this idea of the local news. Is this somewhat analogous to the fact that like email is useful again or something or uh, direct mail is now all of a sudden not the noisiest medium that we can, you know, try to connect with people? I think it is. It's it's like old school stuff still works. We keep we I don't know if it, it I don't know if we as marketers get distracted by the latest shiny thing uh, and we forget about the old stuff or if behavior changes have come into play, but yeah, it is, it, it, it is that. And, and I will say, Reed, that when, once we got those numbers, I did some more digging and it turns out that this isn't some anomalous finding. We didn't accidentally survey the 800 people in the country who still watch local news. There actually has been some research on this. <laughs> um, you didn't so accidentally just, just get the, get the local news viewers. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. We have seen, uh, and by we, I mean other people, not us at Gerard. But the market market studies have shown that local TV news was declining pretty substantially in viewership. You know, the last I don't know decade or two, which, to your surprise and my surprise, that's that's kind of what we might expect, right? And then during the pandemic, it seems to have made something of a comeback, which I, I guess also when you stop to think about it, probably makes sense. People are at home; uh, they're interested in what's going on in their community. You know, what are, I mean, early on, if we remember, what are the infection rates? What's, what's happening at the local hospital? And this is me speculating, but I'm guessing that's part of it. And again, what else are we going to do? We can't hang out with friends and, and go to the beach. So let's, uh, let's watch the local news. So it's, it's seen a bit of a resurgence over the last two plus three years. You know, I'm not sure if there's a direct application for healthcare marketers, other than there may be some opportunities to reach people in your local market in, or in sort of, double down on local advertising. Um, 
I will say that, uh, that, uh, Teresa Hicks, who's, who's, um, one of the folks in our national practice and has a deep experience in media relations, you know, she said, this is, it's really tough to do, but this does show that there's a great opportunity for providers to be a resource to local reporters. And I think this applies not just to local TV, but also newspaper. I mean, we know that local news is, is struggling. That's just the resources aren't there. And a lot of reporters are on multiple beats. And so if you, as a doctor, uh, a chief medical officer, as a, as a PR marketing uh, leader can build relationships and offer to be a resource for those reporters, that's, that's a, a potentially a really valuable relationship to have. So that is one thing that we did pick up on from that kind of strange finding that local news is not dead. You know, the, the reporter angle is interesting. I can remember kind of in the early days of Twitter, one of the use cases for Twitter was, hey, all these reporters are on the platform too. Uh, you should find out when their deadlines are and you should tweet at them because that was less noisy than than like sending an email or something kind of shortly before their deadline with like resources and story ideas and stuff like that. It was a, it was a way to, what was that? Help a reporter out, the Haro thing or something like that. It was like an acronym. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's funny, we've, we've now 10, 12 years later circled back around to some of this stuff that we did that we did early on. I, I don't know, maybe we need like a, a director of retro marketing or something as part of our <laughs> staff or something. I don't, I don't know. But so it's, it's funny to me to think about as much as we're talking about the virtual space with like care delivery and even workforce optimization and some things like that. On the marketing and communication side, we're exploring some mediums that we've had available to us for for really ever and went away from because they just weren't working. Uh, you got tons of postcards every day and stuff. So quit sending direct mail, you know, kind of thing. So now it's almost like we're back to that, you know, this this idea of connecting with reporters and snail mail and email even and some things like that. It's interesting. Yeah. And to that point, I mean, specific example, um, I live on the West side of Nashville and there's a, a lot, a couple miles from my house that somebody tried to build a sort of a old country restaurant on and they got the, they got it framed and then ran out of money. And so it's been sitting there rotting for probably the last four years. We got a direct mail, um, a week ago saying that a local healthcare, um, a, a local, uh, health system is, planning on putting in a freestanding ED on that lot. And they're ho- holding a, commu- a community meeting to talk about it, answer questions, you know, nice glossy, whatever five by seven type of postcard. And it caught our attention. I mean, we're excited about it sitting on our desk at home. And, and frankly, I don't know, we probably would have picked up on it because both my wife and I work in healthcare, but frankly, I think having something in our mailbox, physical glossy sheet of paper really caught our attention. Man, this is cool. This is, uh, gives us a lot to kind of think about is, you know, most marketers have, have really steered towards all the shiny things like, uh, chat and CRM and, um, you know, a lot of the MarTech stack, if you will, over the last handful of years and trying to figure out that. Not that you shouldn't, um, that's all very important stuff, but I think a lot of these mediums even tie into that. But, you know, one opportunity I think for marketing folks, certainly, is uh, to partner up with the communications side of the house as they think about PR and, you know, some of those, um, you know, kind of earned channels, if you will, um, that this is, uh, this is a really good indication that there are still conversations and, and people to connect with in those, in those spaces. Yeah. And, and Rita, I mean, related to that, and then something you said um, a couple of minutes ago that I think is worth really highlighting is that we look at all the cool new technology and new toys and and then we look at you know like i said don't do direct mailing because it doesn't work and beyond that it's really hard to measure the roi on all of these things and it's something that we talk about in the report and that i think is borne out just in our overall experience doing the work that we do um, as well as in some of the numbers from this survey is that this isn't easy and again that's no surprise to anybody in uh, any kind of marketing, whether that's healthcare or otherwise. But, but one of the things that we really emphasize here is that this takes time and that some of the, the ROI may be, if not immeasurable, then at least 
pretty quiet, pretty, pretty hidden. And we, we, we came up, I can't remember who it was, but as we were putting this piece together, somebody called it the, the dinner table ROI, which, um, and that term stuck. And I think that's really useful for us to remember because it's frustrating when we can't put an immediate number and, and look at the click-through rate and the, you know, the CPM on an online ad. Um, but know that people are having conversations around the dinner table and that is going to come back. And, and, and so your reputation and, and the relationships that you build, you know, through these kind of long form or long tail channels, um, have a return, you know, for good or bad. Well, it's just, it's not one or the other. It's, you know, both and, you know, kind of a thing. So again, this just continues to highlight the need for more of a well-rounded approach. Uh, as you think about, I know something we worked on at Gerard was that, you know, modern thought leadership, you know, machine. And so you had all these, cate- you know, these categories, paid, earned, shared, own, kind of the peso model, plus a few other things. And um, it's the same thing. You know, you got to have kind of a well-rounded strategy. It's not all Facebook ads. It's not all Google paid products. You know, it's not all postcards, you know, it really depends on who you're connecting with, who you're trying to find, what the call to action is, you know, what the service line or kind of the topical, uh, kind of piece, uh, relates to, but, um, yeah. So it's very cool to, to kind of continue to see that there's, uh, there's a need to be well-rounded. So in life and in your professional life, your personal life and professional life. So, General lessons. From That's right. School. That's right. Yeah. We'll put that on a t-shirt or something. Well, man, thanks for, thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Certainly appreciate it. Again, we'll, we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes. If you'd like to connect with David, uh, do so uh, by all means, a pretty easy to track down on uh, places like LinkedIn, for example. Uh, but we'll, we'll link to a few things, but you can go find him on their website and, uh, and then, uh, and connect with him. So, uh, man, thanks for coming on and look forward to, uh, talking again soon. Awesome. Thanks for, yeah. Fun as always. Special thanks to David Schiffer for coming on the show. Appreciate his time. Uh, always good to hear from him. Very thoughtful. He is a, uh, a PhD. I guess I should have called him Doctor. Wow, Schifrin. I didn't uh, know that. Anyway, wow. re- really cool dude, and uh, was great. Kind of in the research space, very thoughtful uh, with kind of everything he's doing. But uh, appreciate his his time. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this. We'll do a couple of recommendations before we wrap up the show. But a uh, quick plug for the website Touchpoint.health and the TPS report. I uh, would love it if you would uh, would sign up for that there uh, so we can send you a few articles each week and uh, connect with us online. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I've heard uh, a number of things from folks, quite honestly, this week. I got on a few different phone calls and people brought up the podcast, which is always always kind of neat to hear what people what resonates with people, I guess. And so I would love to hear from you. So all right, uh, recommendations. what do you what do you got today? I've been doing a lot of travel for business. And the one thing you always fear when you're out and about and not near an extension cord is what's a good uh, power source, an additional power source, just in case you need something. And there are various different ones. I know we all have our favorites. The one that I I did a a little bit of research on because I didn't have one handy. I I was looking for something that had a little bit of a smaller footprint, something that could very easily, you know, kind of adapt to my lifestyle and I could throw it in the bag, no big deal. And if I have it plugged in, it doesn't look like this big weighty extra iPhone on your iPhone or whatever, but it can also charge my computer if I need it to. And where I landed was the Anchor PowerCore Fusion 10,000. It's a 20 watt USB-C portable charger. It looks like a plug, like sort of an extension of a plug, because it can also act as a power cord and then charge at the same time. It has a USB and a USC ad- adapter to it. So you can get, you can have a 20 watt USB C port um, that can charge an iPhone in about 50% in about 30 minutes if you wanted to. And even like iPads very quickly, like two or three times. 
and it's about the size of like a like an Apple plug, you know, the white plugs that you have. It's about the size of that. Oh, sure. The bigger like plugs for your computer. It's very convenient. I got it. I ordered it. It comes with all the cables, which is also a, a win. I usually never see that. And a little tiny mesh bag that you could throw it in so that you could throw it in your bag and it won't damage anything. It's really, you know, and it's not that heavy. When I looked at it across the board, uh, Anchor does a lot of different types of power cords. This one just happened to be the right footprint for me. So it came in at just under uh, $50, and it was just like a great addition to my growing extension of accessories. So that's my recommendation. The Anchor Power Cord, or I'm sorry, Power Core Fusion 10,000. Yeah, that, those uh, are becoming more and more necessary as people kind of get back to traveling and doing different things. So that's that's awesome. All right, I'm going to recommend something that I'll probably never use, uh, which I know sounds odd. It's, it's an app, and the reason I'm, I'm recommending it is just because it's just an interesting conversation around kind of where we are going as a society and kind of what people's expectations are around, you know, kind of how they consume different things, right? So, Chris, Uber Eats, Instacart, uh, HelloFresh, you know, things like that, right? Like what we're used to now just ordering up stuff. Porsche has now entered the game, not with food, but so terrible analogy, but uh, Porsche Drive is the app. And what this is, is it allows you to just rent a brand new Porsche. So you just open up this app and like I'm doing this right now, I just say start driving now. And then it gives me a list of vehicles I can now choose from. You have to commit to three months. So I'm just going to scroll down here. And for example, uh, with a couple of clicks of the finger, uh, a 2022 Porsche 911 Carrera 4S can be mine, a three-month commitment, no activation fee, only $3,800 a month. Whoa, that sounds like a deal. (laughs) (laughs) And you get a whopping 1,500 miles. Anyway, the point being is all businesses are looking at new ways to deliver their products and services. And it's just, I'm really interested to see, I saw something from Ford about how they may sell electric vehicles only online and rethink the dealer experience. So I just, I like these apps. I like the idea. I'm not going to pay $3,800 a month for a Porsche uh, anytime soon. Uh, I'm not making that, that much money. But it's just really interesting. And so I just like the UI. I like the idea of it. And it's just an industry that only worked one way. Now considering, well, what, how else can we meet uh, consumers um, based on demand and kind of what they do? So anyway, kind of interesting. Check it out. Uh, it's called Porsche Drive. But um, I mean, interesting. Rent, rent, rent a Porsche. Would love to hear other apps that people have seen and other ways people are kind of changing the business model. So just thought it'd be worth kind of pointing out for people to to check out. So that's really curious, and it's also like a uh, like a, a short term lease, so to speak, too, right? So it's a little bit of different approach. You don't have to lock yourself into a five year lease or whatever. You can just get it for three months if you just need to show off that that Tinder um, date that you're trying to impress and embezzle money from. That's a callback to the tennis swindler. <laughs> when you go to the Hamptons for the summer, you know you just you just grab your nine eleven and uh, you're. <laughs> That's, awesome. Uh, That's awesome. Lots of money in podcasting. So anyway, um, well, thanks everybody. We appreciate uh, the support. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Like I said, Touchpoint.health is the website. Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.